Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 714 with Eric Bernheim. And I think for this really to work out in everybody's best interest, or at least the restaurateur's best interest, the landlord's going to need to feel a little bit of the pain. And that's where we get into the next uh, couple of uh, solutions. So just applying security deposits and prepaid rents, that doesn't really help the tenant too much other than just delaying their financial obligations, keeping them out of default for the time being. But they're still paying every penny on the dollar that's due under the lease obligation. So it's not a huge help. It just buys them time. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. Find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended restaurant POS system on Restaurants Unstoppable. If you're going to survive this upcoming recession, you have got to adapt, and you can't just adapt. You have to adapt fast. With Toast's cloud-based restaurant POS, your system will update to evolve along with changing industry trends and guest expectations. To learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, for a limited time, you will get one month free POS software, three months of free digital ordering tools, and 50% off implementation to ease the impact of COVID-19. This is a value of $1,000, but you've got to use our links. What's going on? Unstoppable. So I'm not sure if you've realized lately, but we've been kind of uh, not having as many sponsors on the show. And that's because during COVID-19, sponsors got super conservative. Uh, Like everybody else, it's completely understandable. People are just pinching their pennies. They're waiting to see how this thing pans out. So as a result, finding sponsors to support this mission to inspire, empower, and transform our industry has been tough. So we've had to adapt and get creative ourselves. And our solution is to pivot from a CPM model, which basically stands for cost per 1,000 downloads, to a CPA model, which stands for cost per acquisition. So basically, sponsors don't have to pay us anything unless we convert for them. So with that said, we wanted to let you know that Toast is a new sponsor of Restaurant Unstoppable. You already heard the ad. It's a new ad. And the reason why we went with Toast is because we can so full heartedly and confidently recommend it because it's the most recommended POS on the show. So they're giving us a great deal straight up. They're paying us $2,500 for every referral we send them. And we're so freaking grateful for that. Thank you so much, Toast. And you know, we've just been so inspired by seeing what people are doing around the industry to come together, to pay it forward and to try to, to make it about we, you know, it's, if we're going to get through this thing, we're going to get through it together. And because of that, we would like to give half of what we earn 
back to you. So after taxes, that's right around a thousand dollars. We're going to take a thousand. And if you use our link, we're going to send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you for supporting the show. And we're going to get this through together. So we're going to get through this together is what I meant to say. So if that doesn't get you excited, I mean, it gets me excited. And our goal is to give 1000 restaurants, $1,000 help us make this goal. I mean, I know there are people out there that are looking to pivot, that are looking to adapt and to update the technology in their business. There's at least one thousand of you out there. I know there are. So use our link. Again, it's toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And Toast is already giving you a thousand dollars worth of incentives. We're doubling that. That means you get two thousand dollars if you use our link. Click our link, earn two thousand dollars. That simple. So today we have a great show for you. We have Eric Bernheim on the show and he is a partner at Halloran Sage, which is a law firm out of, I think, Connecticut. And in today's conversation, we get into basically how you can have those tough conversations with your landlords. Things are going to get awkward if they haven't already been awkward. So this this episode is going to give you some knowledge on how to have those conversations with your landlord. Uh, nine tips. Great stuff. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Eric Bernheim. Eric, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am. I'm ready to lead our clients to the best path forward. Yes. Awesome. So Eric Bernheim is a partner at Halloran Sage Law Firm, where he skillfully leads his clients through complex real estate transactions. His practice includes transactional work, zoning, land use, and commercial leasing matters, focusing on representing restaurant operators interested in expanding throughout the country. With over a decade of experience, Eric's solid understanding of commercial and real estate matters provides his clients with peace of mind and confidence. Today, we're going to be talking about the nine strategies to resolve landlord-tenant relations. So obviously, this is a hot topic right now because of what's going out there with COVID-19. But the cool thing is, I think we can use these lessons for from now and going into the future. Like These are lessons that are not just relative to right now, but after COVID-19, when things pick back up, these are lessons we'll be able to, to apply in our business even then, right? Safe to say? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, anybody who makes it through this, uh, any restaurant group that makes it through this crisis is, is going to have a strong relationship with their landlord. And, and hopefully the, those partnerships will continue to thrive into the future. You make it through this, you're going to be able to make it through anything. Nice. So before we get into those nine strategies to resolve landlord-tenant relations, let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Our firm, we really try to gear ourselves towards uh, leading our clients to down the best path forward. And this situation with COVID-19 out there, uh, there's no playbook out there for what we're dealing with. And there's no right or wrong answers. We just all need to, to take the best path for ourselves and for our businesses and our partners uh, and, and those partners include our landlords when we're dealing with uh, restaurant tenants. Yeah. And it's just like right now, like this mentality of togetherness has never been more relative, more important. And just the idea of, of sharing knowledge, I think is the right path and understanding that nobody knows, right. And that we're all in this shit storm together uh, is key. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Everybody being in this together is key. Communication is also key. The landlords and the tenants really need to be communicating almost on a daily basis to try to get through this uh, pandemic. 
Landlords also need to be communicating with their lenders and, and vendors as well to try to pass along some relief to their tenants. Um, and, and the restaurant operators are, need to do the same. Anywhere where you can get relief from your financial obligations, uh, you, you need to start pursuing those avenues as, as soon as possible so that you can uh, try to, uh, to, to make it through this. Awesome. So, uh, one thing I like to do before, whenever I have an authority on the show, an expert like yourself, I want to get to know that person. So tell us a little bit more about you, what got you into law and specifically, I'm curious about why restaurants, why commercial real estate, why that vertical? Sure. So I got into law because I've always really liked to help people. And, you know, I, when I was in undergraduate, uh, I was I was a marketing major and I wasn't really feeling it. It wasn't making me satisfied. Um, and I took some law classes and I felt like uh, it was really interesting. And the 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 uh, cases I was reading was really one thing was common. The lawyers were always trying to help their clients out, and because I I enjoyed helping people get them through tough times, good times and bad times, uh, it seemed like a good fit for me. So I took the plunge and, and went to law school and I, I really couldn't be happier. I, I enjoyed dealing, interacting with my clients, helping them with their issues, living uh, alongside them, good times and bad, you know, and fortunately for me, I've represented a lot of great restaurant groups that um, have expanded uh, a great deal over the last decade or so um, and have aggressive growth models. And, and it's been great for them. It's been great for me. Uh, but unfortunately, right now, times are really tough. Mm. So uh, now is where we have to uh, kind of put our A game on and, and really try to help them through mm-hmm. this crisis so that uh, we can get back to what we do best and, uh, and, and allow them to serve their, uh, their customers and continue to grow. Now, you mentioned something before the recording that really resonated with me. And you said one of the things that brought you or drew you, attracted you to law is helping people solve their problems. And really, that's all you're doing is just you, you, people are coming to you with their problems, asking you for help. And I love that mentality of solving problems. That's really what a, an entrepreneur is, right? Like you're out there or a leader, you know, uh, as a leader, your job is just to solve problems for your team, to, to exist, to solve problems, to make your team stronger, to empower your team. And I, I love that mentality of solving problems. Any reflection on that before we start to dive into the, the core content today? Yeah, it really just requires a lot of creative problem solving. Um, you know, I, I primarily what I do for my restaurant group clients is is negotiate their leases and and help them through that process. And then once once they have a signed lease, when they have issues with their landlord, a lot of times I'm helping to resolve those also. And um, I, I tell you a, a quick story. One of one of my best clients, uh, he was on an airplane, filling you know reviewing his lease and handwriting in his comments while it was a choppy flight. And he got back and he handed it over to me when we were meeting at his office and said, "I hope you can read my writing." And I responded to him. I said, "It's really." whether I can read it or not, we've been doing this for almost a decade now. I, I, I know everything that you want. Um, and it, it, so the tricky part comes into when landlords are trying to negotiate those terms with us and, and they're not always comfortable with it. So the, the, the art of it is, is protecting the restaurant tour while also giving the landlord the protection that they are desire as well. And quite frankly, a lot of landlords that push back on a lot of our provisions that we get into our leases, 
uh, they, they fight with us quite a bit during the negotiation phase. However, uh, they should take some solace in the fact that my operators, they know what they need in order to be successful. And the last thing a landlord wants is for an operator to just say yes to whatever lease is sent over to them. And then they get into the term and, and they fail because they don't know what they're doing. So um, a lot of our provisions that we fight really hard for in our leases are integral to, to good operators being able to do, do their job. And at the end of the day, our job is to be successful and pay our rent. Uh, landlord's job is to be a good landlord and, and provide what they're required to under the lease as well. But if they don't have a good operator in there, then they're going to be looking for another tenant in, in the short term. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, I think we have a pretty good idea of who you are now. Thank you for that. So, um, why before we really just dive into those nine things, uh, those nine strategies, those nine solutions, uh, for landlord tenant relations, let's just talk about this, the scenario. Like, like, I think it's really important just to kind of break down the, um, the reality of the situation. Like we've never seen this before. No one's at fault. So what are you seeing? Like take us through the state of the industry from a, a, a lawyer perspective who specializes in real estate in the restaurant industry. Like what's your perspective? Sure. So when we first saw the writing on the wall that uh, that, that most of the restaurants across the country were going to be shut down, my clients were calling me nonstop. And I'd say I have, for the most part, three primary uh, restaurant groups that I work with that, that I do most of my leasing with. And I was on the phone with their CEOs um, pretty regularly for the first week or two before all of the restaurants got shut down. And what we were working on was an initial letter to the landlords asking for help, essentially, telling them that we saw what was coming. Um, it was just a matter of time before our revenues were going to drop uh, astronomically and we needed some relief from rent. And it wasn't, and we made some proposals and, and we didn't expect the landlords to, to accept those proposals and not push back, but we wanted to start the conversation. And, and in my opinion, communication is key. If we had chosen just not to pay rent, then the landlords are going to respond and say, well, they didn't even call me. Um, and, and same thing where, where a landlord doesn't even pick up the phone and call my clients after they receive this letter and instead they just respond with a notice of default. That doesn't make uh, my, uh, my clients want to help that landlord out at all. So really communication, understanding each other's issues and concerns and trying to work th through those so that everybody can uh, live up to their end of the bargain as much as possible during this, this crisis, these unprecedented times. Yeah. And at this point, I hope you've made contact <laughs> like two months into this thing. I hope you guys are communicating with your landlords, but I think it's important to point out that just because you made contact doesn't mean you don't have to continue to communicate. It's an, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important to keep that line of communication going. So what, after you've made contact, maybe this is kind of what today's conversation is going to be like, what that conversation looks like going forward, perhaps, you know, um, any other thoughts, any other feelings that you want to get out there before we really start to like dissect, um, these nine ways to communicate or, or, or strategies around communication, uh, or planning for the future. Yeah, I think communication is absolutely uh, key. Right now, you're not paying rent, but once you are allowed to reopen, there's probably going to be a lot of restrictions. I know in Connecticut, they're talking about uh, May 20th, restaurants can start opening, but they're only going to be allowed to open outside. 
for service on patios and the such. So uh, restaurateurs should really be reaching out to their landlords. Is there more common area space that they can now utilize that's not really a part of their patio? Uh, are the local municipal zoning uh, regulations going to allow for expanded patios? Is the state liquor control going to allow for liquor sales outside of your um, uh, uh, kind of um, uh, stated patio area that, that you currently have that's fenced off? Um, all of these things you want to get ahead of. If you wait until you get permission to go outside and you're stuck with a, a small 800, 1,000 square foot patio when there's <clears throat> maybe five or 6,000 square feet of usable space that uh, with, with the lack of foot traffic a landlord may allow you to use, the landlord, landlord may say yes, but the, the town may say no, or the state liquor control may say no. So you really want to be uh, ahead of the curve and, and start having these conversations as soon as possible. Beautiful. So let's just get right into this. Um, the, the first strategy to resolve your landlord tenant relationship through this pandemic, number one is, can you pay? If you can pay. Right. Kind of seems obvious, but just because some other restaurants are floundering and maybe not surviving, that doesn't give you like uh, an excuse not to pay your rent. You want to break that down a little bit more? I mean, it seems pretty obvious. Sure. Uh, you know, one, one of my litigation partners always says to me, how come the landlord's always the first one to get hit with? I can't pay you. Um, and and I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with uh, that statement, but yes, um, mo- most conversations with my clients starts off with, if I don't pay, can they throw me out? The short answer is maybe, um, and probably it's hard to defend a non-payment of rent lawsuit. Now, these are unprecedented times. Judges are human. Are they going to throw out every tenant that doesn't pay rent? Um, most likely no. Are landlords going to want to throw you out and have all of this vacant space in in their complexes and their buildings and um, <clears throat> developments? Probably not. Uh, that's not what they're looking to do. They're it's going to drive rents down, and and they're probably going to be willing to work with you. But if you want a definitive answer from me as to how can I ensure I'm going to stay in this location and not have the landlord come back to me <clears throat> after the fact for uh, other concessions because I was technically in default. I'm going to advise my clients to pay rent. One of my clients has and, a location uh, that just crushes that it, does better sales than any of their other 30 locations. And they got a notice of default from that location. And they said to me, what should I do? And I told them, well, if you don't want the landlord who knows your sales because you have a gross sales reporting requirement to come back to you then you need to pay in six months to a year and say, I'm going to increase your rent because you're in default during the pandemic, then you need to pay your rent. Mm. And they had the ability to do it. So for that location, they actually did pay their rent and cured the default. Yeah. But they can't pay the rent at all their locations. Uh, they don't have enough revenue to do that and certainly not enough uh, go- government um, proceeds from the PPP or the such. Got you. So, I mean, there's a lot of restaurants that are actually up right now. Um, if your business was designed to be drive through only or, or pick up only, um, and you're like, say a pizza company, right? Like you, you make pizza or you do burgers. Like there have like one, somebody I know in uh, Olympia, Washington is up 40% from this time last year. Um, so like some people are actually because of this doing really well. So obviously I think it's pretty cut and dry. If you're doing well, or if you're doing good enough, just pay your rent, 
best solution. That's the best way to keep your relationship with your landlord going pretty straightforward. I think after this, number one was an easy one Uh, going forward. Then the next three uh, solutions are going to be you can't pay rent and your landlord is willing to work with you. Uh, So before we get into those next, uh, I think it's one, two, three, four solutions. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. We're back and now we're on to number two uh, of the nine ways to resolve landlord tenant relations. And that way is triple net only. What do you mean by that? And so, Sure. So, so landlords have their obligations as well. I mentioned that uh, earlier on in the uh, conversation. So, um, one proposal that that we've done with our landlord uh, is we pay our proportionate share of their operating costs. Their triple nets, essentially, our trash um, taxes to the extent they're not abated by the municipality. Uh, their mortgage payment. Um, and this actually, in, in this one location where this worked uh, to, to everybody's benefit. It turned out that we were paying about 10% of our rent by just covering our carrying costs that they couldn't forbear. Now, that landlord was very proactive. They cut costs uh, left and right. Obviously, the uh, development was not being operated at full capacity anymore. Their operating expenses went way down. But to be able to take our monthly rent from, call it $30,000 a month to $3,000 a month and just help carry that. Uh, operating costs for the landlords so that they could pay what absolutely had to be paid uh, was was a great relief for for this one location for for my client um, and it, it on the back end of the lease what they did was they extended the term and we'll get more into that later so that everybody gets the uh, essentially the desired effect when they entered into the lease of the same amount of rent payments uh, that. Uh, you were expecting to have in the same amount of months operating. Got you. Now I'm going to throw in a little caveat here. I, this is not my strong suit. So when you're going, um, I might be asking a lot of questions um, and I might not even know when you're, when you're done, (laughs) there's a lot of vulnerability when you're, when you're vulnerable with admitting what you don't know, it kind of opens up the conversation for me to kind of get more out of you. Um, So, I mean, does that cover anything? Is, is, is that, did you just round off that solution right there? Um, Or is there more to it? All right, cool. Uh, so the, the number 
or number three, the third thing that, that, that you can do to resolve relationships with your, your landlord uh, is security deposits. So how can we use security deposits to resolve the situation? Sure. So a lot of times when you sign the lease, you pay two months security, maybe more, depending upon how much work the landlord's doing for you uh, to, to fit out the space. And sometimes you also pay some prepaid rents, whether it's first and last month or just last month's rent. So the landlord should have on its books a, a good uh, portion of, of money that is really your money. And one way to kind of push this um, uh, this issue down the road a little bit, and hopefully it resolves in a short in a short period of time, is to ask the landlord if they're willing to apply that security deposit towards your monthly rental obligations, uh, and use those the last month rent towards uh, this month's rent. Um, uh, that that may allow you to buy two, three, maybe four months. Uh, worth of time before you're technically in default, before the landlord loses anything. Now, that isn't really a share the pain type mentality. In that situation, the, the landlord is still whole. And I think for this really to work out in everybody's um, best interest, or at least the restaurateur's best interest, the landlord's going to need to feel a little bit of the pain. Um, and that's where we get into the next uh, couple of uh, solutions. So just applying security deposits and prepaid rents, that doesn't really help the tenant too much other than just delaying their financial obligations, keeping them out of default for the time being. But they're still paying every penny on the dollar that's due under the lease obligation. So it's not a huge help. It just buys them time. Again, cool. So again, real quick, just to give you guys uh, to catch you up, uh, we're on number three. Number one was just pay the rent if you can. Number two was use triple net. And number three is security deposits. And these are solutions uh, if, if you've been proactive, if you were smart enough to put these things into play beforehand, right? There, there are options to you now is kind of how I'm hearing this uh, come out, out of your mouth. And going forward, uh, the next two options are going to be um, maybe if you weren't really planning ahead and now the the landlord is willing to take some of the burden to help you out. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So this is more of nobody taking advantage of the situation and everybody working together to come to a solution. Got you. So number four is the next one we're going to we're going to cover, which is abatement. So get into abatement and how uh, that could be a solution for us. Sure. So some landlords are proposing that they just uh, abate rent for the time being while you're closed because of the government regulations and, and the such. So and I'm going to be, for a, example, I'm going to show my, I'm going to show my vulnerability again. When you say the word abatement, um, we hear it come up a lot in legal talk, but what exactly does that mean? It just means that you don't have to pay the rent right now, but in this scenario, they're going to ask you to pay it in the future. Gotcha. So they may say for the next two months, you don't have to pay me rent, but starting in January of 2021, you're going to pay me extra rent every month until you repay me the, those two months that I abated during this time. Okay. So again, um, th- this isn't so much of uh, the landlord taking a hit again. It's just delaying when they get their money. Um, it, it's not a great solution for the restaurateurs because you still have to come out of pocket and pay it uh, at some point. Um albeit not now, and hopefully your sales are good enough when you come back that it'll work, but it's not a great solution. And in some instances that I've seen, it's really like a slap in the face. We, After we sent out our initial letter uh, to the landlords, one of them got back to us, uh, and, and this was in April, 
and they said, okay, we'll abate half of April month's rent and May's rent is due immediately. And you can repay us that April rent in June. And the restaurateur pretty much just said, you got to be kidding me. How's that help? I got to still pay you half my, my rent. And I was just shut down. And then I got to repay you it in June. And I may still be shut down in June. Who knows what's going to happen? So uh, this scenario, although it could be helpful for some operators, it could also really be detrimental to the landlord-tenant partnership that we're trying to uh, preserve here. Yeah. And it's important to point out, too, that, like, say, um, the your landlord's been super uh, good at working with you, finding solutions, and they're saying, okay, well, we'll make April, May, June, and July free, right? Um, and then you can start paying us back at, like, you know, we'll, we'll throw on an additional 30%, you know, t- to, like until you you're 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 paid in full but you got to keep in mind that when we start opening we're not going to be op- we're not going to be in business at full capacity so you know we might not even be able to make our original rent with what where the cash flow we have coming in so you really got to be careful and realistic with what you're agreeing to do you want to reflect on that yeah uh, th- th- that's absolutely right and and it kind of leads me into the last uh, item that that you and I discussed before the call which is number which five. is um, number five, right, um, is the forbearance option. Landlords could just say, don't pay me until you're back up and running at full capacity. And then at the end of the term, extend the term for that period of time. So let's say it takes six months for you to get back up and running at 100%. If they were to forbear their rent for six months, and then at the end of the term, let's say let's say your term expired in January of 2022, if they just extended it to July 2022, then they would get that those six payments at the end of the term, something that they weren't expecting to get anyways. Another potential solution, which we didn't discuss, is turning the rent into a, a straight percentage rent deal until you're back up and running um, at full capacity. So whatever just the, pay, yeah, sorry, keep going. If you just pay uh, a percentage of your gross sales to the landlord until your uh, revenues return to what they were pre-pandemic, then that could also help you to um, to share the pain. Like I said, I think the common theme is nobody should take advantage of the situation. But if we're if we're going to work together to resolve this and, and stay in business together and keep this partnership going, everybody's got to got to feel the pain a little bit. And a percentage rent deal actually helps with the the restaurateur because it allows them to just pay what they can afford to pay once they crunch their numbers and and tell the landlord what percent uh, what what percentage rent they're comfortable paying until their sales return. Yeah. So um, just to summarize up to this point, we've covered five of the nine items we're going to be going over. The first one is pay your rent, obviously. Second one, triple net. Third, security deposits. Fourth, abatement. Five, forbearance. And then you just kind of threw in a bonus option there, which is a percentage rent deal work out some type of percentage and before we take our our next break to thank our sponsors i kind of want to just break something down real quick up to this point we've been talking about your landlord's willing to work with you right um where are in the scenario where landlords are not willing to work with their tenants what planet do they live on where they think they're going to be able to find new tenants to go into the space and like you know like what does that conversation look like if our landlord is thinking that they can find new people to go into the space. Like, like how do we get realistic around that 
that conversation. Like, like what's the point yeah, of kicking I, these people out if you can't find <laughs> anybody to go back in there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that that, that is some of the restaurateurs' leverage, uh, some of the tenants' leverage, is that the landlords are going to find it hard to, to replace you. Um, and certainly once they put it back on the market – they, uh, are, there's going to be a lot of vacant spaces, a lot of failed restaurants. There's going to be a lot of uh, choices for those uh, new operators that want to get into get into the business in the next uh, uh, six months to a year. Once this all, um, uh, once once the pandemic uh, resolves itself, but um, so so that is some leverage that you have in order to get the landlord to be more reasonable. And then there's a couple of other things that. Depending on the language in your lease, you could also hit on um, to to which push some buttons into, with right? the landlord. <clears throat> which is which is the next four items we're going to get into. That's that's right. Fair to say. So, okay. and I think the biggest issue that the uh, the tenants have in trying to figure this out, and quite frankly, landlords too, is nobody knows how long this is going to take. Nobody knows when uh, things are going to be back to normal to pre pandemic. Um, uh, uh, sales and revenues when they can when tenants are going to be able to afford the rent that they agreed to and when lin- landlords can expect to get back to normal as well got you all right we're going to take our second break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back did you know toast is the number one most recommended pos on restaurant unstoppable i'm sure it has something to do with the fact that more than two-thirds of their employees have worked in the restaurant industry and I'm feeling pretty confident that has something to do with their commission-free online ordering, which is a hot ticket right now, which lets guests easily order directly from restaurants for pickup or contactless delivery to keep revenue flowing during these uncertain times. They even have delivery services, which dispatches local drivers through an on-demand network to keep your community fed and revenue coming. Regardless of the reason why people are recommending Toast, I highly recommend you go check them out during this industry-wide pause. To learn more head to toasttab.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners for a limited time get one month of free pos software three months of free digital ordering tools and 50 percent off implementation to ease the impact of covid19 this is a value of one thousand dollars one more time that's toasttab dot com slash unstoppable you have to use that link to save one thousand dollars we're back now we're going to cover up to this point we covered you know if you're in a good situation you can pay back you can pay your rent just do it now you're in this the second scenario is your your landlord's willing to work with you the next four of these scenarios your landlord is not willing to work with you this is what you can do these are the things you should be looking at correct yeah, these are options for you to consider and, and try to get you some leverage to try to get your landlord to work with you. Okay, so number six, con- uh, condemnation provisions. Get into it. Sure. So uh, every lease is different. So it's really important to look at the exact language in the lease. But every lease will have a condemnation provision. And it's important to note that we that, that restaurant operators were not shut down because of the virus. They were shut down because the government told us to shut down. Now, I think a lot of operators would have shut down whether the government told them to or not, but luckily the government did tell us to. So that, in essence, uh, could be considered a regulatory taking. So you no longer have the right to operate in the premises because the government told you you can't do it. And that's essentially what a condemnation is. Now, obviously, unprecedented times, this has never been litigated before 
who knows what a court is going to decide. But if you were to argue in court that you're not in default because the government told you you can't operate and it's a temporary condemnation that you shouldn't have to pay rent because almost every lease has a condemnation provision that says that if there's a taking by the government of the premises, you don't have to pay rent anymore, then that's some leverage for a tenant to uh, uh, to use to try to get their landlord to be reasonable. And for those landlords that have a national footprint, it's a very strong argument, a very scary argument, because if it's adopted in one jurisdiction, then it's likely to be adopted in other jurisdictions. And if it ever gets litigated, it could impact hundreds of properties for national landlords. Got you. Beautiful. Okay. So that was condemnation provisions. Anything else to unpackage regarding that before we move on to number seven? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Just a, uh, you know, rent abatement based on the uh, amount of square footage you're able to use. And, and in a lot of our leases we negotiate, it's based on a lost sales. So uh, I guess I did have a little bit more to unpack there for you. I apologize. <laughs> no, but, you're good. You're good. Uh, so, I don't know so this as well as you, so I, I don't know when you're done. <laughs> I don't know if there's still more on the table. Uh, neither, obviously, ne- neither do I. So <laughs> if, if your lease is like ours, where, where the condemnation and the casualty provisions are tied to our, our prior sales, where my where my operators uh, are doing ten percent of what they normally did, now their rent obligations will go down to ten percent. Got you. Okay, so we, I think we can sew that one up. Um, and I'm on to number seven, which is environmental provisions. Get into it. So this is a pretty novel one, and um, you know I discussed it with some of our litigation partners, and uh, there there are issues with the argument, but nonetheless, it is it is something that you could throw at the wall and see if it sticks and. Um, as, as they've said to me, judges are human. And if these cases end up in front of a judge, they're going to know what was happening. And are they going to like the landlord trying to throw you out? So um, the, the environmental provision, depending on the language in your lease, could say that if there is a contaminant in the premises that causes you to be unable to operate, that your rent should abate. Again, you, you don't have to pay rent if there's a contaminant in your space. So if the language is favorable in your environmental provision, and I've seen uh, a lot of leases where it is, you could take the position that the virus is a contaminant, that we've been told by the government we can't operate because of that contaminant, and now our rent should not have to be paid because the environmental provision says that our rent will abate if we're unable to op- operate because of a contaminant contaminant within our premises. Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of these things, like these provisions, the condemnation, the environmental provisions would have had been in your lease agreement to begin with, correct? Yeah. Uh, all of these provisions would have needed to been in your lease. You know, there, there are what we call common law um, defenses and provisions such as um, frustration of purpose and impossibility, which is essentially um, similar types of arguments where um, you can you, you can no longer operate because it's impossible because the government told you you can't operate or uh, the purpose of the lease was to um, was to operate a restaurant and we've been told that we can't operate a restaurant here. So the, the purpose of the lease was frustrated. And those common law remedies don't have to be in the lease. However, um, the specific provisions for condemnation and eminent domain in the, in the next couple that we're, that we're about to discuss, you have to look at those, um, 
those the wording in each lease because uh, every provision is different. Uh, even even those uh, where we have similar the same landlord in multiple locations, uh, sometimes they have different attorneys negotiating for the landlord. So the the documents look a little bit differently and every every word matters. Yeah. And I do. I think it was David Denny. I, I believe I, I recorded an interview with David Denny uh, out of um, Dallas, uh, all about lease negotiation and how to do that and provisions that, that should be in your lease agreement. So I'll link to that episode. And while we're going through this stuff, um, you know, if it's, if these, if these provisions are not in your lease, um, these are the things you should be making note of. So going into the future, you can evolve and adapt and get better as a, as a business owner. Cause this stuff isn't just pertinent to right now. This is stuff that should be in your, in your, uh, agreements, your, your, your rent agreements, um, going into the future, your lease agreements going into the future as well. Just wanted to point that out. Um, thank you for summarizing that. So can we wrap up the environmental provision? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point of these lease provisions that you need to make sure are in your lease, you know, for, for our clients, we've got, I probably got a 25 page uh, document for, with our standard provisions and that we put into every single lease that we get. Um, Is that a punch so list? It, I'm sorry. Is that a punch list in, in, of forms like a punch list to make sure you're going through this stuff? Uh, it's it, it's just all different provisions, such as the force majeure provision that we're about to talk about, the environmental provision that gotcha. we just talked about, so that so that they're somewhat standard in all of our leases and have been approved by our boards and such. So um, to to make sure that the tenant is as protected as possible, and you know, even that being said, nobody ever saw this pandemic coming. So uh, uh, e- even in uh, e- even in the best most tenant friendly leases out there. There, there's still a lot of unknowns as yeah. to how this is all going to play out. All right. Number eight, we're almost at the end of the list. Landlord defaults. What do you mean by that? Sure. So the landlord uh, represents and warrants uh, certain things in every single lease. One is uh, the right to quiet enjoyment. So quiet enjoyment means that you have the right to use your property for the permitted use without interference or hindrance. Um, so depending upon the language of that provision, you may be able to tell the landlord that they're in default under uh, the, the rights of uh, quiet enjoyment. Another provision that we've seen in a lot of our leases is a um, covenant that the permitted use to operate as a restaurant is permitted by applicable law. Well, right now it's not permitted by applicable law. The governors have all said you can't operate as a restaurant. So those covenants that the landlord, those representations that they've made, they are uh, now not accurate. So you can put the landlord on notice that they're in default, again, to try to get some leverage. Um, They may utilize the force majeure provision that we're about to discuss to um, say that they don't have to comply with that. But again, when you're fighting back with the landlord at this time, my, my goal is really just to to, to throw mud at the wall and see what sticks, right? And and to um, try to get them to be more reasonable and negotiate with us a resolution that works for both parties. So I think anything you can throw at them helps. Got you. And then the last item we're going to cover, and again, these, la- these last four that we've gone through, the uh, condemnation provision, environmental provision, and l- landlord defaults uh, are if your landlord are not willing to work with you. The last one is force majeure. And I don't, I'm sorry if I didn't say that right. You should, you should try to hear me say French restaurants when I'm introducing my guests or Italian restaurants. My last name is Cacciatore and I cannot spit out my, my grand, my, my ancestors are rolling in their graves. So I'll just say that, but how do you say it? Force majeure. Say it one more time. 
force majeure. Yes. Yeah, so what, what, what do you mean so, by that? So that's essentially the act of God um, provision. So almost every contract, and if it's not in the contract, most common law um, uh, in, in, in most states allow for uh, relief from contractual obligations if there's something that's outside of the control of the party uh, to perform. So uh, an act of God or a pandemic. So the issue with the force majeure provisions is, is that most of them, I'd say 90% of them, carve out the obligation to pay rent. So they say, if you can't perform under this contract because of an act of God, then you're not in default unless it's because you're not paying rent. You always have to pay rent. Um, so that doesn't really help with the non-payment of rent, but it does help with the covenant to continuously operate. It does help with construction obligations and timelines. If you're building out your restaurant during this pandemic and things have slowed down, um, and arguably it could help to extend the rent commencement date. A lot of our deals, we get, you know, six months or more to build out our restaurants without paying rent. If we're delayed because of this, you know, there's, there's an argument to be made that, because of the force majeure provision that the rent commencement date should be pushed out because of that. Now, again, um, the only way to get any, uh, to to be confident that any interpretation of your lease is going to be um, correct is to go to court and have a judge tell you that it's correct. But if you're just trying to get some leverage to discuss a, a reasonable solution with your landlord and communicate with your landlord, a lot of these arguments can, uh, put a little bit of fear in them that if you're right, then it could impact them with the rest of their tenants um, uh, and, and the rest of their properties. Again, if it's a national landlord, properties throughout the country. All right. Beautiful. So I think that's it. Those are the, the nine items we, we're going to go over again. I'll summarize. These are the nine strategies to resolve landlord-tenant relations during COVID-19. Number one, pay your rent if you can. Don't be a slime ball. Pay your rent. Number two, triple net only. Number three, security deposits. Number four, abatement. Number five, forbearing rent extending terms. Uh, those are if your landlord's willing to work with you. And if your landlord is not willing to work with you, condemnation provision, environmental provision, landlord default, and force majeure. I think I said it right that time. Anything that has popped into your head just through talking. I know when I talk, sometimes new thoughts come to my head that you want to share with us before we wrap up. No, I think uh, I think we're good. I think uh, what, what I really hope is that we get through this crisis sooner than later and that we can get back to negotiating new leases for new restaurants all over the country as opposed to uh, talking about existing locations that are having problems because uh because sales have just dropped so drastically maybe we'll wrap up with that question i know that you have um written and spoke about the future of the industry so you like to project what the future looks like um what do you see the future of the industry let's say a year from today what do you what do you see how does the industry look in your eyes i think a lot of the larger operators are obviously they're they're going to survive i i believe the smaller operators, the mom and pa restaurants, the one, two, three units are going to have a really tough time unless some, uh, some more restaurant oriented governmental relief is, uh, is passed by the legislation. Um, and restaurants aren't going anywhere. I read someplace that, that without restaurants, uh, our supermarkets would run out of food in a very short period of time. So the industry isn't going anywhere. 
unfortunately, some of your favorite restaurants may end up failing and going away. So I do think you need to support the restaurants that you love as much as possible right now, ordering takeout, buying gift cards. Uh, I know one of our clients uh, uh, is very concerned about their employees, Bar Taco restaurant. They, they actually had a program going where if you bought gift cards, it went into a uh, fund that was geared towards giving back to their employees and helping them through these tough times too. So I think in a year, I'm hopeful that we're back at back up at 100 percent occupation or uh, occupancy, and and all the restaurants are are doing great again. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of new restaurants, and I also think there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, good deals out there for for new restaurant operators and those uh, looking to expand. Yeah. What about the landscape of the industry? I think there, I agree with you 100% that there's going to be a ton of opportunity on the table. And what I hope I communicate during this time is that we get to kind of, we get to kind of break the mold and we're learning so much about just self-awareness and being proactive instead of reactive. And we get to choose to come back stronger. And there's been a lot of people that's, you know, that, that have voiced their opinion on like what's wrong with our industry. And I think that because we're all being forced to pause right now, um, we have some time to reflect and to choose how we come back as an industry collectively. What's, what are some of the changes you'd like to see? I'm curious. I don't, I don't, I don't see any, uh, I, I don't see the need for, for a lot of changes. Um, I, I love the restaurant uh, industry. I mean, my wife and I were foodies. We love going, we, we kind of gear our, uh, our vacations away from the kids. I'm going to, you know, popular um, foodie towns. We went to Portland last summer for a week and, and ate our way through Portland, Maine. Um, y- you know, I, I think we just need to get back to business as usual. Um, and let let the operators do what they uh, what they do best, which is bring you know the the good ones bring a great ambiance and they bring you great food and there's nothing better than going in sitting down having you know great service great food a couple of cocktails and uh, enjoying time with whoever you're with. Um, so uh, I, I don't think things need to change. I think. Uh, the good operators have great relationships with their partners and, you know, hopefully the landlords see their operators as their partners and that they get through this together because without a little landlord assistance, a, a lot of restaurants are going to fail. Uh, and then the landlords are going to have to go out and find new ones. And hopefully they're, uh, 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 you know, uh, as good as the ones that are, are currently around. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, rep, rep- excuse me, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's one restaurant operator, somebody that you respect and admire and just think is doing it right. Call them out to be a future guest in the show. Sure. Kayla Perel at, at Hawkers out of Florida. It's a uh, Hawkers Asian street fair. Uh, if you follow them on their social media, I think they've been doing uh, everything right. You know, uh, great operation, great food, good ambiance. Um, you know, uh, I already mentioned Bar Taco and they're run up by Scott Lawton right now. Uh, and, and they're doing great, t- great things too. Um, check them out on social media and you can see how they're, how they're doing things right during this time. Um, when, when there's no playbook, and um, what was and the name certainly of the f- worth getting as a guest. What was the name? The first name you, you dropped on me? Hawker. Caleb, Caleb, uh, Caleb Harrell Caleb. and Hawker's Asian street fair. They're based out of Florida. 
uh, and they're expanding up the uh, East Coast. All right. That was Caleb and Scott. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And how can we connect with you? Um, any final words, anything we should be aware of, anything that your law firm is putting out that would be helpful for us? Now's your time to let us know. Sure. Our website, hallerandsage.com is uh is a great resource we've got client alerts about um all areas of the COVID 19 crisis we've got 100 lawyers who uh focus on uh, every aspect that you would need as a business owner from employment to uh insurance to uh litigation and and transactions obviously so you can sign up for our client alerts and um we can certainly uh, get you some additional information uh if you need it through that and then my linkedin page is uh i try to keep current with uh some good articles blogs and uh um, and uh, information that uh, is is on point with uh, with my restaurant practice. This is episode 714. If you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 714, I'll summarize today's discussion as well as linking to any tools or resources mentioned and how to connect with Eric over there. Eric Bierne, Ber- I'm going to say this wrong. Sorry. Birnheim. <laughs> Did I say it wrong? Bernheim. Bernheim. <laughs> Eric Bernheim, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. This is great. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much, Eric Bernheim, for coming on the show and taking us through those nine tips to negotiate our lease or rent with our landlords. And this is a really important conversation right now. I'm feeling pretty confident you guys got value. Uh, and I'm just thankful for Eric for coming on the show. And uh, let us know if there's any other topics you guys want us to cover during this time. Um, we're we're dropping the Corona Chronicles and we're going to be incorporating topics around what's happening real time in the industry. So whatever your pain points are, let us know. And the best place to let us know is over on Facebook. Go to Facebook and search Unstoppable Restaurant Owners and Operators. It's a private group, probably the hardest group to get into, but that's because we're going for quality over quantity. It's not about how many people you touch. It's about the impact you have, which with each individual. And that's what we're after with this Facebook group. And uh, I also let you guys know that at the beginning of the show, uh, we have a new sponsor. Toast is going to be spending $2,500. They're going to be giving that to us every time we convert a customer for them. So we're going to split that after taxes. It's about $2,000. We're going to split that with you, our listeners for every $1,000 we earn. We're going to sign a check to that person who clicked the link. And I'm telling you right now, this is probably the easiest decision I've ever had to make here at restaurant unstoppable. Uh, There has never been a tool or service that's been recommended more than toast POS. I don't feel like I'm selling anything to you. I feel like I am gifting you this incredible technology that our guests continually recommend. And we're going to give you $2,000 essentially. Toast is going to give you $1,000 worth of incentives. We're going to match that another $1,000 for clicking our link, toasttab.com slash unstoppable. So, I mean, there's never been an easier decision for you as a business owner to make. Uh, There's always this excuse that we never have time to work on our business and to update our technology. You know, the one thing I know to be certain right now is that no, there's no new trends out there. All the trends that were happening are continuing to happen. You just have to adapt faster than ever. And this tool is kind of a one-stop shop to get you ready to tackle the challenges that are down the road. And we're going to give you $2,000 on top of it. I've never been more excited. Our goal is to give 1,000 restaurant tours, $1,000. Help us hit this goal. It's a no-brainer. 
I hope you're as excited as I am. All right, guys. Until next time, peace out.